Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I'm excited to preach today because I feel like I've got something for you. I feel like I've got a word. It's called how to stop a revival and how to start one. Uh, So if you want to know ways that you can participate in being a part of a personal revival at the least... But I believe at the most, a corporate revival, something that could happen in a city. And I think that's what's happening here today. I think what we see right here down at the front of this building today, that's part of revival. That's what revival feels like. It's what it looks like. So we're going to talk about how to stop one and how to start one. Uh, And I'm just going to get right into Luke chapter 7. And um, Luke chapter 7 is um, a guy named Simeon. And Simeon is inviting Jesus over to his house and you're going to see something happens here. And there's a contrast between two things. I will get into the story, but first I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we continue to invite you to just overwhelm us in every way imaginable. You're running the service. You're in control of what is being said. I submit to you uh, that it's your time, not mine. Uh, do what you want to do in the hearts of people. Uh, Let the word come alive. I can't do anything with it. You can do everything with it. You can change hearts and lives. People can't do that, but you can. Uh, We ask that that's exactly what would happen here today, that your purpose and your will would be established through your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. So Luke chapter 7, this guy Simeon, who is a religious leader, he is a Jewish religious leader, and uh, he's well known in the culture. People know, ooh, that's Simeon. You better be careful. He's a, he's a religious leader. He knows what he's doing. He invites Jesus over to his house, and Jesus accepts the invitation. And it says when he went to Simeon's home, uh, he took his place at the table. Now, by the way, Jesus was super chill uh, at people's house. Like you, you see like lots of accounts of Jesus reclining uh, at the table. And I think this is like a cooler element of like Jewish culture when they ate they used to like literally lean back and kick back at the table it's like they had recliners at the table like Jewish Jesus is just chilling uh, at, at these people's house so he knew how to hang out he knew how to have a good time and I think he's a very chill person in, in, in many respects and like to hang out with people in verse 37 it says in the neighborhood there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute When she heard that Jesus was at Simeon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, and in front of all the guests, she knelt at the feet of Jesus. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then, as an act of worship, she opened her flask, And anointed his feet with her costly perfume. So really quick, before we talk about everything that happened, let's dispel the myth and the idea that is perpetuated through Hollywood, through TV, movies, all that kind of stuff, that prostitutes, in a general sense, look like Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman uh, and and have this glamorous, high-end lifestyle because sometimes that's what we think when we think of a prostitute, uh, whether it's just something that someone mentions or we read it in the Bible. And let's remember that most prostitutes are prostitutes completely by desperation. Uh, our friend Annie Lobert, who uh, 
uh, spoke here several years ago. She was a former prostitute in Las Vegas for many years. She was a high-end call girl in, in Las Vegas, a, a very expensive call girl, but even that particular life, you're belonging to someone else. The, the things that you're put through, essentially 95% of prostitutes are in some kind of human trafficking, are addicted to drugs. It's, it's a non-glamorous life. Uh, if you've ever run into uh, ladies over on Orange Blossom Trail, if you're at the Florida Mall or anywhere around there and you happen to run into people, you're talking about people who don't have good hygiene. Most of them don't have their teeth. They're street people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and are doing what they're doing for money and for fixes most of the time. It's not glamorous. Uh, you're talking about a person who is broken, a person who has been lied to, a person who has been taken advantage of, a person who has been dehumanized for money. Uh, so let's get this idea out of our head that this is probably some gorgeous, beautiful woman that everyone is going, oh, she's pretty, but she's a, you know, she's a prostitute. This is a, a messed up person who doesn't come in there with pride. She's not pretentious. And you say, well, how did she afford the expensive perfume? That's probably the only thing that she invested in was something that could perpetuate her business, could keep her business active. So and it's, it is likely that it did have a lot of monetary value. And what she was pouring out was very important. It was her future livelihood. She was letting it all go in this act of desperation. So Simeon, this religious leader, sees what's happening. And he says, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. And Jesus said, Simeon, I have a word for you. Now, this is interesting. If this broken woman who knows her sin, who clearly identifies that not only is she sinful, but Jesus is the one who can forgive her and she wants to worship him extravagantly because she recognizes her own sin. But on the opposite side, you have the person who invited Jesus to his house who thinks he's got everything figured out. And instead of being aware of his own sin and thanking Jesus for coming into his house, what does he become aware of? Someone else's sin. We always know that religious spirit is pointing out flaws in others. You can always tell when you're around a religious spirit because all they want to do is talk about what someone else is not doing right. You can tell when someone is spiritually broken when they talk a lot about what's happened in their own life. I thank God for what he set me free from. I thank God that he's brought me through tough times. I thank God that I struggle with anger. I struggled with addiction, but God set me free. They're not spending their time talking about other people. But in this case, Simeon thinks to himself. He doesn't even say it out loud. He thinks to himself. It says in verse 39, when Simeon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. How judgmental do you have to be to see this broken prostitute come in that is pouring out this lavish gift on Jesus? She's weeping. Her tears are covering his feet. How, how, how self-centered and how much self-importance do you have to have? And how much arrogance do you have to have to say, look at that sinful woman? And then he starts judging Jesus. If he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is. And what I love about Jesus is he calls Simeon out. 
But he doesn't even call him out on what he said. He calls him out on what he thinks. Isn't it interesting that we're not convicted simply by the things we do, but we're convicted by what's in our heart. And he says, I have a word for you. And, he said, and Simeon says, go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it. And Jesus probably said under his breath, I'm not sure if you do. He says, it's a story about two men deeply in debt. Someone say deeply in debt. That's really the key phrase there. One owed the bank $100,000 and one owed the bank $10,000. I'll summarize the story. Jesus goes on to tell him, $100,000 debt for one guy, $10,000 debt for, for another. The banker realizes neither is going to be able to pay back the money. So in an act of grace, the banker forgives them both. So Jesus says to Simeon, which one of the two men is more grateful? Which one of the two debtors would be more thankful? There's really only one rational answer if you're Simeon. You have to say, well, the one who was forgiven the most, right? Doesn't that make sense? Now it starts flooding in. And he starts making the point about what's happening with this woman who's on her knees, thanking Jesus for forgiving all of her sins. And then he goes on to say, I suppose it would be the one with the greater debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you're right. Then he spoke to Simeon about the woman who was still weeping at his feet. Do you see this woman kneeling here? She's doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest... As your guest, you didn't even think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with a customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. She was worshiping Jesus. She was literally adoring him. When you know that you're broken and you're messed up, and you have flaws and that he has forgiven you, worship flows from you. You don't have to try hard to worship when you're thankful about the fact that he's forgiven you. Worship flows from your heart. She didn't have to conjure that. It was something that was just flowing out of her. He said, you didn't take time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she has anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. So not just worship is flowing out of her, but monetary generosity is flowing from her. She is giving something that is tangibly valuable. Two signs that God has a hold of our heart. Our worship and our giving. He says, she's been forgiven of all her many sins. That's why she has shown me extravagant love. Here's the kicker. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Now, isn't that the problem isn't that the problem that when we see other people and we notice other people's flaws and faults and failures and we start thinking, it's that mentality, don't ever be the kind of church when you hear a message that you're sitting there going, boy, I wish David was here today. He needs to hear this message. Let me get, I got news for you. You need to hear this message. Every single time the word is preached, you are the one. I am the one. I need to hear it for myself. Forget about David. Let's let David deal with David. You deal with you. I'm going to deal with me. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with me. I don't ever want to externalize. I don't want to be sending podcasts to everyone before I've listened to them myself. You shouldn't just look at the title of something and say, this is a David podcast. No, this is a you podcast. 
You need to get that in your spirit for you. And after you've listened to it 10 times, then send one to David. After you've listened to it 10 times for yourself, after you've read it 10 times for yourself, then you worry about someone else. See, and this is Simeon's problem. He's too worried about this prostitute and not worried enough about himself. And Jesus says, it's a sign that you don't love me very much. If you don't think that you have very much to be forgiven for, there's no way you will ever love God. If you're here today and you say, I remember back when I used to make mistakes. Yeah, it's today. (laughs) It's this morning when you got out of bed. Because we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and we are righteous according to Him, but we die every day. We have to be transformed, not conformed to the pattern of this world, but we have to be transformed every day by the renewing of our mind. Paul said, I die daily. So it means it's a daily walk. We daily have to get righteousness in our life and get the old us out. It's not good enough to just go to an amazing conference and be like, man, this is going to last me two years. It lasts you about two hours. Okay, then you got to get renewed again. You got to get your spirit refreshed again. So... He says, she's been forgiven of her many sins. This is why she has shown me extravagant love, but those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will, be, will love me very little. And Jesus said to the woman at his feet, all of your sins are forgiven. Look at what that kind of brokenness leads to. What kind of brokenness are you talking about? Look at what she did. She comes into a place that she's not invited to. Do you know the kind of courage and determination that takes to walk. Imagine if you're having a dinner party with someone that was very well respected by everyone where you lived and you had the honor of having them in your house. You set up everything perfect to impress them. And a street person comes in without your permission and front and center takes all of the attention off of you. And, and, And it starts doing this whole thing, weeping, crying, putting, imagine how annoyed you would be if you wanted to make it about you. And what was she doing? She was saying, thank you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for forgiving me. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you, but you love me. You call me by my name. You call me your son. Despite all the things that I have done, God, you have given me a second chance. Every day of my life is a testimony of your faithfulness, of your goodness. I love you so much. Thank you, God, that you never, ever walk away from me. Thank you that you never leave me. You never forsake me. I am Jeff, your son. I am your son. You love me. You care for me. I have a purpose. I have a calling, God. I have a destiny. And even the, in the years when I turned my back and walked away and, and I couldn't put down certain things and I had addictions in my life and things that controlled me, God. Lord, you said that you loved me before it was a problem. You said you loved me when it was a problem. You said you would love me when it wouldn't be a problem anymore. God, I thank you so much. I give you all of my worship, all of my prayer. She is at his feet, worshiping him. And it's not hard because she remembers all of the things that he has done for her. But yet Simeon on the other side, all he can see is someone else's fault. He doesn't have the chance to experience revival he doesn't think he has anything to be forgiven for. If you're here today and you think you've got everything figured out, you've disqualified yourself from revival. You will never be a part of what God wants to do in the future if you can't see your own faults. That's the prerequisite today. 
And what you will find from these stories that I'm going to read you today is every one of these people were leaders who missed it because they didn't honor God appropriately. They didn't have the right kind of respect and honor for the Lord. And Jesus says to her, he looks at her and now makes it all about her. He said to the woman at his feet, all of your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said, who, can, who is this one who can even forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has given you life. So she got a new life. She got forgiveness of sins. She got a brand new life. And he said, now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. She got forgiveness. She got a brand new life. And she got to walk in peace. All because of what? Because she saw her own brokenness and her own failure. Simeon got none of those things. Because he didn't think he needed help. She got it all. She got revival. Leviticus chapter 9. I won't spend too much time here. But I think it's important to bring up that Aaron, the priest, says, lift his hands toward the people and bless them. This is Old Testament. And he sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, the fellowship offering. He stepped down. And it says, Moses and Aaron went to the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. I got news for you. Today, what was happening up here? That's like the glory of the Lord, man. When you're in a, ch a church service and you see God falling on multi-generations and the power of the Holy Spirit moving and people crying out in the service, I'm, these are all feelings and signs that God's glory is getting stirred up in a new way. These people tangibly saw the glory of God, actually saw it. And it says in verse 24, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. And the fat portions on the altar, when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Please listen to this. Because what you cannot do when God starts moving like this is go back to a way of acting like God is not holy. You can't go back to the old life that you lived and just slip back into the old patterns. Because look what happens right after God shows up in this way. In chapter 10, it says Aaron's sons... Nadab and Abihu took their censers and put fire in them and added incense and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. They were priests. And so they were doing an offering, but when it says unauthorized, it means they were approaching God or doing something for God in a way that did not honor him appropriately. And what, how does God respond to them? The same way he responds to anybody who messes with his glory. It says fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. That is how holy God is. When his holiness starts showing up, you don't touch it. You don't mess with it. You, 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 can, you can be around him, you can be consumed by him, but you don't bring your commonness into his holiness. You have to let his holiness be holy. As a matter of fact, Moses says to Aaron, hey, he says, take these, take these guys out of here. Don't cry for them. Don't mourn for them. Get them out of here. Get them outside of the camp. Anybody who cries for them or mourns for them, they're going to be in trouble too. They came against the presence of the Lord. 
And I think that we have to be mindful during a revival that his holiness is to be respected. His holiness is precious. Those times where we're worshiping together and in those intimate moments, we don't want to be someone who shuts down revival. We want to be the people that usher it in by inviting the Holy Spirit to use our brokenness as a way to show off his goodness and his faithfulness and his glory. His presence will not coexist with the common. See, strange fire like that is a way of saying you're taking sinfulness and worldly things and trying to integrate them with the things of God. That's a Frankenstein monster. And that hinders your spiritual walk with God. You were called to walk holy before the Lord. You were called to walk consistently before God. You were called to walk and not be weary. You were called to run and not faint. You were called to run the race effectively. You were called to run the race to win the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what does sin do? Sin prevents us from walking correctly. Sin causes us to stumble and to fail, and we're not able to fulfill our purpose and to go the distance he's called us to go because we bring sin into the equation, and we need to be healed of our sin. See, John chapter 5 tells a story of a man who couldn't walk, and we need to be healed of our sin the same way this man was healed. It says, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed porches. If you're wondering, it's like, uh, um, if you were to imagine that this is the pool and you got hundreds of people in here and this is the pool area. There was a porch that was here. I probably should have had something to draw on. But there, like if, if you imagine that the middle is open, there's no roof in the middle section. And these edges right here are porches. And this center section goes down like this. And it's a porch. So you've got one, two, three, four, five. So all these areas, people can be in the shade. But the pool is over here. So that's what Bethesda was like. And so what happened is people would come to the pool of Bethesda and there was kind of a, you know, a, like a story. It's, it's omitted from some versions of the Bible in verse 4 where it says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Some versions do not include that. But that's the reason. That's why a lot of times some of your Bibles, you may see it skip from verse 3 to verse 5. Some Bibles don't even include verse 4, which is what I read you about the angel, because some scholars do not believe that it belongs there. But that's the reason why a lot of people were by that pool. They were waiting for a miracle, and this man was unable to walk. So he's sitting there for years waiting to get in this pool, waiting for this angel to stir up the water so the moment it gets stirred, he can get in there. Okay, so it says, in, under these porches laid... A multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. And I love that Jesus just goes here where all these broken people are. He could do anything he wants. And he's around a bunch of people who have no influence whatsoever. Just sad people 
who need help, who need healing, who need hope. Can I, I've got news for you. Jesus is here today looking for people that are broken that need hope. He's in this room right now. If you're here and you feel like you have nothing to offer, he's looking for you. He is, he is searching for you today. And I love, it says that he saw him lying there. He knew that he'd been there for a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? I think that's what he's asking us today. Do you want to be healed of your sin? Do you want to be healed of your failure? Do you want to be healed of your weakness? Do you want to be healed of your addiction? Do you want to be healed of your pattern of thinking that you've had for so many years? Do you want to be healed of a broken marriage? Do you want to be healed of perpetual negativity in your finance, of a, a per perpetual scarcity and lack in your finance? Do you want to be healed today and create a cycle of supply through faithfulness in your life? Do you want to flip that around today? Do you want to be healed? And the, and the sick man answered him and said, he didn't even understand the question. He said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. He thinks healing comes from the pool. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water's stirred up, while I'm going in, somebody steps in before me because I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. No one can assist me. No one can help me. He's got his excuse pre-prepared. And he doesn't recognize who's standing in front of him. He's, he's come to rely on excuses. And excuses are the most expensive kind of self-defeat that we can ever buy. He doesn't realize that the Son of God, Jesus incarnate, has just asked him the question, Do you want to get well? The answer should be yes. I don't need that pool. I don't need anybody to help me. I don't need an angel. I've got the Son of God standing right in front of me. That should be the way we feel today. Because he's asking us, do you want to be healed? I got a question for you today. Do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? I'm asking you today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, do you want to be healed? Really, do you want to be healed? Or do you have an excuse like he did? I want to be healed, but I'm in school right now. And, and, and it doesn't end because we've got our pre-programmed excuses just like he does. But I'm in a season of learning right now. And if I can just get this done and I can just figure this out, I'm engaged in our wedding. It costs $32,347. And we have 125 guests with a full meal. And it doesn't happen until January the 18th. And, and once that's over with, I can focus on that other part. What is your excuse? Because you got the Son of God standing in front of you today asking you a question. I think the best answer is yes. It shows how lost we can be. He didn't, he didn't understand who was standing in front of him, and he actually didn't understand the question. And I got news for you. He doesn't even try to answer the question. He just ignores it. He never says yes or no. He just gives an excuse. People that are good at making excuses are rarely good at much else. Then Jesus says to him, <laughs> He just ignores his wrong answer. He ignores his excuse. Jesus is ignoring your excuse today. And I love what he says. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up, 
Get up. Look at somebody next to you and say, get up. Get up. Come on. I mean, Jesus just says to the guy, stop with your excuses and get up. He's saying, stop doing what you used to do that didn't work and get up. Get up. Move to another level. You've been living down here talking about everybody else, watching life go by, not participating with what's going on, simply observing. Oh, look at him. He got a new wife. Oh, look, they're wearing this. They're wearing that. Look what they brought to the pool today. Everything, it's, it's, he said, get up. It's time for you to stop observing and start living. It's time for you to step into the new life that I have called you to live. It's time for you to apply some negative resistance and to push against, to rise. Get up today. Get up. Rise up. Why did he say get up? Because by getting up, you're stopping doing what you've been doing that hasn't worked. What have you been doing? Nothing. <laughs> and nothing doesn't work. You got to try something new. Stop doing what you were doing before. That's why he said, get up. Look at someone next to you and say, stop what you used to do. What you were doing before doesn't work. It doesn't work. Just admit it. Look at someone next to you and say, he's right, it don't work. Tell him. It doesn't work. Stop doing that. Yelling at your family doesn't work. When's the last time you yelled and they went, oh, that makes sense now? Cussing at your family doesn't work. Banging on a steering wheel doesn't work. Punching a wall doesn't work. Sitting around hoping things will change someday doesn't work. Cheating on your spouse doesn't work. Watching porn to try to satisfy a restless, empty heart doesn't work. Reading Facebook more than your Bible doesn't work. Staring at your cell phone more than you look at people in the eye doesn't work. It's time for us to get up, to stand up, to rise up, to stop doing what doesn't work and to start doing something brand new for Jesus. Somebody better give him a shout today in the house of God. I thought I was going to do a front flip, but I don't know how. Pick up your mat. Why? You don't need it anymore. 
What is the mat for? Sitting around and doing nothing. And living that old life. You got to have a mat if you're going to be sitting by the pool waiting for a miracle all day. But once you're healed, you got some business to take care of. Get up. Pick up your mat. Stop doing the things that you couldn't do. And he said, and walk. Start doing the things that you couldn't do. Stop doing the things you used to do and start, are you with me? Start doing the things that you could never do before. What could you never do before? You could never live for Jesus. You could never lay hands on the sick and see him recover. You could never boldly declare that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. There's no way to the Father but through him. But you can now. Why? This is a brand new life. You're living inspired and full of the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. You're brand new. Your heart has been transformed into something new. The Bible says you are a new creation and behold, all th old things are passed away. You're brand new in Jesus. It's time to start walking that new walk today in Jesus. The walk that you couldn't walk before. It don't have to be perfect. It don't have to be the exact right pace. It don't even have to be sexy. It just has to be consistent. You ain't got to walk around talking about. You ain't got to have some cool walk. It don't matter if you're, if you're dragging your leg and you're moving along and you're learning how to do You say, God, I ain't going to quit. I'm on this road. I've come, I've come too far. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep going to my destiny, but I ain't going to quit. And I sure ain't going to get back down on that mat again because you told me to get up. I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. Start doing what you couldn't do before. Do you really want to be made well? Then walk. God's called you to walk. God's called you to walk. Live free today. Walk. Love today. Walk. Forgive today. Walk. Have peace today. Walk. Let go of the past today. Walk. Verse 9 says, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Let me tell you one of the things I love about this story is that this kind of healing is really unique to the way Jesus does this miracle. Because James 5 tells us that the elders of the church can anoint someone with oil, pray for them, and that they will be healed. That's one way people can be healed. Mark 16 tells us that God's people can lay hands on each other in prayer Ask God for healing and people can get healed. That's another way people can be healed. 1 Corinthians 12 says God can give a person a gift of healing. We're going to be talking that, about that in our upcoming gifts of the Holy Spirit thing that I think we're going to do on Mondays. I don't know. You're going to have to really stay tuned for the dates because they've switched around a little bit. We might be doing them very soon in the next couple of weeks on Monday night. Uh, but in that, we're going to be talking about that. The gift of healing that is given to a person... That through that person, the Holy Spirit heals people through a person's gift of healing. God can grant healing like in Matthew chapter 9 with the woman of it, with the issue of blood. He can grant healing to someone in response of the faith that that person has. When Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. So it was her faith in that situation that made her whole. God can also grant healing in response 
on behalf of a person that is with someone. Remember when they lowered the paralytic down and the the people that were with him had faith for him and it was their great faith of lowering their friend down, believing that he was gonna be healed. Jesus healed the guy in response to the people who were lowering him down. So you can be healed. a person can be healed based on the faith of someone else that's believing for them. First Timothy 5.23 teaches us that we can be healed through medicine. Medicine is a way that we can be healed. So, so medical treatment can help us. There's all kinds of ways we can be healed. But the way Jesus heals this guy, it's none of those. You know what it is? It's, hey, this ain't got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with me. That's what Jesus does. Jesus finds certain people. He says, this ain't got to do with your faith. It ain't got to do with your buddy's faith. It ain't got to do with your mama, your papa, anything that you have done. I'm not going to use a technique. I'm not going to smear nothing on your eyes. I ain't going to do nothing like that. I'm just going to walk up to you and say, pick up your mat and walk. Now, all you got to do is just do it. That's all I'm asking of you. That's what he says. Just do what I say. And if God has come into this room today and told you to pick up your mat and walk, you better pick up your mat and you better walk today. You better do what God has called you to do. Don't ever go back to that old life again. He is offering you an opportunity to step out into a brand new life. If you're watching online, you better type in those chats right now. So God's doing something today online at City of Life. Tell somebody, someone needs to read that today because I believe it's happening in this room. I believe it's happening right there. In this case, there's no human participation necessary other than to just believe it and do it. Jesus found this guy. He walked up to him. He didn't wait for this guy to come to church. He came to him. He's here today looking for you. All right, story ain't over. It says, because the day which this took place was the Sabbath. Okay, now we know the Bible tells us to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. The Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest. It is important even still, that we keep the Sabbath. And remember, the Sabbath is a holy thing. There should be a rhythm to our week. I don't want to get too much into that. But what what I will say is that in Jewish custom, through a lot of additional laws that were added, that's why we should never mess with God's word. God doesn't need us to add anything to his word. But additional things were added where you can't do this on the Sabbath. You can't do that on the Sabbath. It even got to the degree of you can't look in the mirror on the Sabbath. Because if you look in the mirror and you see a gray hair, you might be tempted to pluck it out. And that would be work. Uh, I'm not even joking. You can't wear false teeth. Because if your teeth fall out and you bend over to pick them up, that, that would be work. And you, I would encourage you to just go ahead and bend over, pick them up, and say, Lord, forgive me. But the, the point is, they would say, they would say, you can't do this, you can't do this. So they became super religious and were very proud of themselves for not doing any work on the Sabbath. But Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath. One of his points of doing those kinds of things is, hey, I invented the Sabbath. I'll do whatever I want to do. I, I, it doesn't apply to me the way it applies to everyone else. I'm trying to teach you that the Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing. It's not supposed to be a prison. It's supposed to be something that gives you life. So you should be watching what's happening right now and taking notes is what Jesus is saying. And he, he says, listen, this is, this is nuts. It says, the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. This guy that everybody knows for 38 years, everybody knows Tim. He, it's not his real name, but everybody knows Tim. He sits there every day, not able to walk on the same mat every day, can't get to the, to the spot he wants to get. No one will help him. They know Tim. He's there all the time. They absolutely knew who he was. 
And instead of rejoicing over this miracle, seeing this guy walking, carrying his mat, they go, why are you carrying your, your mat? Talk about religion. Talk about self-importance. Why are you, the law forbids you to carry a mat. And, and he replies, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus gave him a direct order and he knew it was the Sabbath, didn't he? Jesus told him what to do. So it's more important to obey Jesus than to obey man's rules. That's, we could preach a whole sermon on that. It's way more important to have acceptance and miracles and life from Jesus than it is to make people happy. And he says, the man who made me well said, pick up your man wall. They asked him, who is this fellow? Not who made you well or wow, you got well or you experienced a miracle. Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man, I love this in verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was because Jesus, he had no idea and told the Jew, sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. Hold on, let me back up just a bit. Yeah, he had no idea who it was. It says the man, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. What, what, a, what a boss move. One of the greatest miracles in history. And he's just like, He's just out. He just kind of slips away. These guys are wondering who it is. They want to go ball him out for breaking the Sabbath law. Jesus finds him later. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple somewhere else. And he says, see, you are well again. He's basically saying, see what happens when you listen to me? You picked up your mat and you walk. You're well again. I, I knew it was going to happen. And he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I don't think that he means you couldn't use your legs and this time it's going to be your legs and your hands. He's not threatening him with physical punishment. What is worse? The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? So what he's saying is if you don't stop sinning, you're going to have a spiritual death that you are going to incur and that's way worse than just sitting down on a mat all day. Make sure that you take this miracle and you walk away, not only from the old things that didn't work physically, but the old things that didn't work spiritually. Walk away from that old life. I love that. I love that Jesus went and checked up on this guy. God's not just wanting to do a one-time miracle with you today. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to make sure you're good. He wants to make sure you're okay. And he cares about coming back and making sure you're connected and plugged in and have all the information you need. Jesus is looking for you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Maybe you've been living like this man out of habit with God and you've lost the true element of your faith. It's time for a new walk, time for another level. Stop doing what you used to do. Start doing what you couldn't. Pick up your mat and walk. See your sin. Acknowledge your weakness and receive the healing of Jesus today. That'd be my encouragement. If you want to be someone who starts revival instead of stops it, the way you stop it is by refusing to see your weaknesses, your faults, by constantly looking at everyone else. Look at your own heart. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment today? I want to invite you, after God has moved so uniquely in this service, that was such an awesome moment in God's presence earlier during worship. I don't think I'll ever forget that. It was really special. But right now, I feel like the Lord is wanting to do something in each one of you. So if you're here today 
And you have made it about excuses. You have made it about other people, unable to forgive other people for these things they've done to you, but not recognizing that you have done things to God. That's why the Bible teaches us that if we don't forgive others, we can't be forgiven. It's just simply not possible. We have to let go of what everyone else is doing and focus on what we have done toward God. We can't be like a Simeon who refuses to acknowledge our own faults and own failures. If that's you today, take this moment and have a worship moment like that prostitute did at the feet of Jesus. She poured out the best of what she had. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for forgiving me. I need you because I'm a sinner. If you've never done that before, do it right now. We'll just take a second. Just lift your hands for just a second. No one's looking around. Eyes closed. Just a second. Let's all do that for just a second. Lift our hands and just worship Jesus. Thank you so much for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me, for caring for me, for never giving up on me. There's power in that today. Don't be a Simeon today miss your moment today with your hands lifted see yourself as being that man that's sitting on the mat watching everyone else not experiencing life you can hear it you can see it but you're not in on it just imagine that Jesus is coming up to you and asks you that question do you want to get well today let your heart just leap up in faith and say yes yes I do he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. If that's you today and you need to put your faith in Jesus, could we all pray this prayer out loud? Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life. I'm leaving it behind. It's time for me to get up, to pick up my mat, to walk into a new life that you have called me to. I'm free from sin. I'm free from shame free from guilt. I'll never be the same again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me serve you, Lord, all the days of my life. And I'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God a great praise in the house today? If you're online, give him a great praise. Make sure if you're online and you just gave your heart to the Lord, type in that chat right now. I just gave my heart to Jesus so our moderators and team can celebrate that with you. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.